0: Sorry.
1: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The battle for King of the Mountain is continuing. In fact, Temple Mount tensions are mounting. The intensity is amazing. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to see how just over this past weekend, things have moved in a very significant way toward the rebuilding of the temple, the expectation of doing so, and quite frankly, even the appearance of the Messiah. That's right. All from Israel here today on Viewpoint, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And I trust that today will be no exception. So, here we go. Did you know that perhaps the first church in the world was just discovered? That's the message from Israel The World Tribune is revealing it, the excavation site of a church believed to have been built in the 3rd century, which may be the very first church in the world, will be open to the public starting this summer, according to Israeli officials. The church was first discovered beneath the Megiddo prison, which is about 20 minutes from Nazareth. Now, let's take this in perspective now. You have heard of Har Megiddo. That is Armageddon. Megiddo is the town right under the mount or the Tell Megiddo. And this is the place, this is the area in which this final great battle called Armageddon is to take place. But it is also the place of the discovery of perhaps the first church in the world. You say, the first church in the world, I thought that there were Christians back in the first century, not just the third century. Well, it's true. There were. But they didn't build churches. Therein lies the difference. What did they do, you say? Well, they met in houses. They went from house to house. That's exactly what the New Testament tells us. They met from house to house. The church was in the home. Because home is supposedly where the heart is. And God was always about the heart, wasn't he? Somehow we got away from that. We got away from that, began to formalize and institutionalize the church, and thought we needed special buildings. I wonder if perhaps the church is going to return to the home. It already is, quite frankly. But there may be events that are going to take place that will actually cause that to happen in great rapidity. But before we get there... We go back to Israel, and we go back to the discovery of this first church in the world in a Megiddo prison. You say, well, how is it that they started a church in the prison? Well, they didn't. In fact, the prison was built over the area where the church was discovered. And so, actually, they're moving the prison in order to complete the excavation of the area where the church was found. The church also contains the first known mosaic dedicated to Jesus. A Greek inscription, to the God Jesus Christ. Those are the words, to the God Jesus Christ, was found at the site. Now, this is in Israel. And if this was found in Israel, it is in direct contravention to the message of rabbinic Judaism. Believing that to make such a statement is tantamount to blasphemy. But a Greek inscription to the God Jesus Christ was found at the site buried in the prison. Would you believe that the first church in the world is inside a prison? Asked the Israeli prison service. The current prison is moved so archaeologists can excavate the site further and the church and its mosaic will be made into a tourist destination. The mosaic is the first known time that Jesus was named as a god in Israel. Other mosaics were found, including patterns and a medallion of two fish. The Ichthus, or fish, was a secret early Christian symbol, as you know, used to recognize churches. A total of three inscriptions in Greek were found in the church and deciphered by Israeli antiquities authorities. One says that a Roman army officer donated the money to build the mosaic. Well, we know about a fella, a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius, We don't know that he's the one that made the donation because he was around in the first century. But we do know that there were Roman soldiers who actually had become followers of Yeshua, of Jesus. Another mosaic memorizes four women, excuse me, memorializes four women. And the final mosaic faces west and features the name of a woman who dedicated an altar there to Jesus. The archaeological evidence shows that Roman army officers were part of the early Christian community in the century before Emperor Constantine converted it to Christianity. So all of this is very important. It shows us the roots of the Christian faith and confirms it now, documentary engraved in stone, shall we say. Yotam Tepper, who led the original dig, said there was an early Christian community here way before Christianity became the official religion in the Roman Empire. Through the excavations, we learned about all the connections between Samaritans, Jews, pagans, Christians, soldiers, and civilians. In other words, the Christian community embraced all. Well, at least survived and lived among Samaritans, Jews, pagans, Christians, soldiers, and civilians. Interesting. Fascinating, as a matter of fact, because it comes at the same time that a message came from Israel, Israel National News, this weekend. Were Messiah or Mashiach to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. Really? Really? Messiah could all be overwhelmingly accepted. What might that mean? And when, just before Passover, a an offer went out to anyone who would offer a or sacrifice a Paschal lamb on the Temple Mount would get a cash reward if they succeeded. In sacrificing such a lamb, they'd get over $33,000. Well, unfortunately, when that was found out by the Palestinians, it resulted in, well, dare we say, a virtual revolution on the Temple Mount. In fact, it was horrible. Blood spilling on Passover and Easter time to build the Temple, says another article from the Jerusalem Post. Wow. Is it time to build the temple? Those questions have been echoing back now for 20, 25 years, as we reported in our book, King of the Mountain. Now it appears all of this is intensifying. What's going on? Is there anything further we should know about this moment in time? Your moment in time, my moment in time. Where's all this heading? We'll be right back. You're listening to Viewpoint. As we move forward in today's program, I want to uh, let you know where we're headed. A nation born in a day, we're going to be talking a little bit about how God's land grant to Abraham is affecting and is going to affect world affairs and the end times and how you and I can partner with God in this coming event. Have your attention yet? I hope so. We're going to make available to you this uh, wonderful little book, "A Nation Born in a Day," and uh, it's, it's actually a ten dollars book. We're going to make it available to you for five dollars here today on Viewpoint. Uh, give us a call one eight hundred Save USA. That's one eight hundred Save USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box seven oh eight seven nine, Richmond, Virginia two three two five five. Writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling. for postage and handling, as I said, and uh, we'll get the book in your hands. I think it'll be inspirational to you and help to set the stage in a very simple way for the time that we're in and to come. So, again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and our viewpoint concerning Israel, our viewpoint concerning the land of Israel, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, a uh, God's land grant to Abraham, all of these things are heading toward destiny. A kind of destiny for this planet that few have really understood or contemplated or even hope for. But that hope is increasing in Israel. Not only has the first church in the world been discovered, or perhaps the first church in the world been discovered There in Israel, Megiddo. But in addition to that, this interesting article came out of the Jerusalem Post. When blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build the temple. Now, they've been talking about this for a long time. The Temple Mount Faithful, an organization, has been working on this, preparing all of the necessary accoutrements, all of the priests' garments, all of the necessary uh, elements for worship as required in the uh, book of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. All of it has been prepared. The only thing left to happen, really, was the discovery of the red heifer that was necessary uh, in order to fulfill all biblical requirements for temple worship and cleansing. Now, we are assured that at least several of these red heifers have been identified and are being prepared for the building of the temple. So here's the article from the Jerusalem Post uh, this very day. When blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build the temple. One would have hoped that yesterday's unique convergence of Passover, Easter, and Ramadan would have led to a wonderful day of peace and brotherhood in the spiritual capital city of Jerusalem. Alas, any dream of religious harmony on a day holy to all three great Abrahamic faiths was shattered by Muslim rioters who turned the temple mount Into a bloody battlefield, hurling stones at Jewish worshippers in Israeli vehicles. Palestinian terrorists have been fanning the flames of religious violence in recent weeks as Israelis have been preparing for the Passover holiday. Shortly after the deadly, there was a deadly uh, uh, massacre on April eighth in Tel Aviv, and shortly after the deadly massacre, Hamas explained their motive. And declared, now here was their motive. Listen carefully. Quote, the continuing terrorism of the occupation and its crimes attempts to Judaize Jerusalem and to perform sacrifices in the Al-Aqsa Mosque to build its so-called temple during what they call Passover against it stands blood and bullets. In other words, the Palestinians and Hamas believe that things are moving rapidly toward the building of the third temple. And they don't want any part of it, and they're going to do everything they can to prevent it. Through their statement, Hamas exposed their greatest fear that Israel will start to build the temple. For thousands of years, Jews have been praying for a return to the land of Israel. Over the last century, we have miraculously been restored to our homeland from the four corners of the earth, but are still awaiting the proper time to build the temple. What is that proper time? That is the question that hovers over our conversation here today and over all Israel and over the whole world. The world is in trembling over this event. Now, a lot of people don't realize it. They're looking at Ukraine. They're looking at Russia. They're looking at all these other things. They're looking at Iran. But in reality, the real focus, the intensity of the focus, the laser beam of the focus is on the Temple Mount. For it is said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Now, if you want to find out a lot more about the details of that and how it connects with biblical prophecy, how it connects with history, as we understand it, going back 6,000 years and earlier, uh, even in the heavenly, uh, heavenlies where Satan himself, then called Lucifer, uh, declared his rebellion against God and... Uh, Declared that he was going to be like the most high God. He was going to rule, ascend to the heights of the north. He was going, which is a reference to the temple mount. He was going to be like the most high God. And that's his goal. That's his goal. And it is going to happen, but he's not going to happen through Satan himself. It's going to happen through his emissary that he anoints or chooses for that particular moment in time in world history. And it is soon going to happen. You may think it can't happen, but it is going to happen because God says it is. And it's going to happen through a fella known as the Antichrist. So I'm going to make two books available to you here today. The first is King of the Mountain, the epic end time and eternal conflict or battle for King of the Mountain. It's going to help you to understand the greater panoply of God's purposes, biblical prophecy, and history as they're all converging right now toward the rebuilding of the temple. And the question is, who will facilitate the rebuilding of the temple? Why will the Jewish people receive such a person? And what are the consequences? For you, for history, And for the world. It's a $20 book. Yours for $15. On our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. I can guarantee you've never read anything like it. Because it ties all of these pieces together. With hundreds and hundreds of citations. Throughout the world. King of the Mountain, the epic, eternal, and end-time battle for the Temple Mount. All right. On the website, saveus.org, saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia. Two, three, two, five, five. Again, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, the other book is Antichrist. That's my latest. Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. Now, you see, all of these provide a composite picture when taken together. And you're going to see as we continue on looking at these articles coming from Jerusalem today, How close this really is. It's amazing. Antichrist. $22 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Again, you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, if you get those two books together, it'll only be $7 postage and handling instead of $5 each. And if you get the book A Nation Born in a Day at the same time, we'll just include it. No additional postage and handling. And that's $5. So all of these we're offering here today on Viewpoint. Viewpoint. Why? Is it because we're trying to make money? No. It has nothing to do with making money. It has to do with communicating a message that desperately needs to get out more broadly as quickly as possible. And you are the engine ordained to do that. When you get a copy of the book, then you tell other people about the message, and the message then becomes echoed out and that's how God would do it. If some of the tomfoolery stuff that appears on Facebook and YouTube and so on can spread like wildfire so that within a period of 24 hours, it can make it out to millions of people for foolish little pictures and things. Don't you think that something as important as these messages could be gotten out if we, would, we were interested in doing that? That's what God is calling you and me to do. And I hope you'll seize upon that moment, that opportunity. All right. So let's move a little further down this article from the Jerusalem Post today when blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build the temple. Hamas posed their greatest fear that Israel will start to build the temple. For thousands of years, Jews have been praying for a return to the land of Israel. Over the last century, we have miraculously been restored to our homeland for the four corners of the earth, but are still awaiting the proper time to build the temple. Judaism is incomplete without the temple. Now, why is that? Why is Judaism incomplete without the temple, but Christianity is not? The answer lies in the fact that if the Jewish people have rejected Yeshua as Messiah, then, since Messiah, Jesus, was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world once and for all, there would be no further need for sacrifices for the atonement of sin. But the Jews rejected that atonement through Christ. Therefore, they are still under the law that requires the sacrificing of lambs and bulls and goats for the remediation of sin. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But the scriptures require that if they were to shed uh, the blood of these animals, they have to do it at the temple. And they have no temple. They have not had a temple for almost 2,000 years since the Roman general Titus destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. You see their dilemma you can also see why there's such a growing yearning for the temple. So that Judaism can be completed, and they can offer their their sacrificial lambs and Passover, and they can uh, offer their bulls and goats and so on, uh, as required in the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system, which they're still under. So, Hamas is terrified that after uh, close to 75 years of statehood, Israel is going to begin turning its attention to the place where God chose to establish his name, right there, not only in Jerusalem, but at the Temple Mount. Palestinian terrorists are getting scared as Jews are getting serious about restoring the Holy of Holies. On a national level, the rebuilding of the Temple would be a great humiliation to Palestinian terror groups. But on a religious level, well, it wouldn't necessarily pose a threat to Islam because it could be built there on the Temple Mount, notwithstanding Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock. We have more ahead.
0: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the Marriage section,
1: Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. In fact, today, uh, discussing the, the greatest issues concerning the entire world from God's perspective. Because he chose Jerusalem to put his name there, and specifically the Temple Mount where Yeshua was sacrificed on Golgotha, just outside of Jerusalem, and had walked before his crucifixion up to the Temple Mount on Palm Sunday and declared, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus himself took dominion over the Temple Mount and over the temple and declared it to be his house. Not the Palestinians' house, but his house. He said that for all Israel. In fact, he said it for the whole world. He took ownership, declared ownership, and the reason he could do that was because he was sent by God as the Redeemer. So the first church in Israel just discovered in the third century contained a Greek inscription, To the God Jesus Christ. The first evidence we have in writing in Israel that Jesus was God. Now we have the apostles, we have those writings, but this is an inscription, friends, that has been uncovered by Jewish antiquities and confirmed This has to be shaking. It has to be troubling, in fact, to the rabbis. Jesus is God. How are they going to handle that when they believe that to make such a claim is worthy of death? That's what caused Jesus to be crucified. Now, that having been said, we move forward, and I want to share with you Uh, A very, very helpful message for those of you that are in uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut. Many of you, hundreds and hundreds of listeners in Massachusetts and Connecticut have been listening to this program, some of you for as long as 22 years, on a station called WACE out of Chicopee, Massachusetts. That station has been sold, my friends, and it is going off the air on April 28th, as I recall, or April 30th, one of the two, April 28th, I think, right at the end of April. Therefore, you will no longer be able to listen to this program on that station. But here's the good news. We have arranged for this program to be heard not just on one station, but on three stations now in that entire Massachusetts, Connecticut area. I want to tell you what these are. Take out your pen and your paper and write these down. We will be airing live in Massachusetts and Connecticut from 4 to 5 p.m. starting April 25th. Live from 4 to 5 p.m. starting April 25th on the following stations. WVEN, Worcester-Springfield, WVEN, which is 760 AM and 101.5 FM, 760 AM and 101.5 FM, live. We will also be airing on WSDK out of Hartford or Bloomfield, Connecticut. That station is 1550 AM, that's 1550 AM and 95.3 FM. 1550 AM and 95.3 FM. We will also be airing in Boston. WILD. WILD, it'll drive the Bostonians wild. The, the number... 1090 a.m., 1090 a.m. So we're actually spreading our influence there and making it easier for all of our listeners to get this program and not miss it. It will be aired live from 4 to 5 p.m., and one of the beauties of this is that... The United States Senate is now talking about making daylight savings time universal, mandatory. If that be true, there will be no further sing- signal loss in the winter time From 4 to 5 p.m., as there was in the past on WACE in Chicopee. Now, I'm sorry to have to give this information to those who are outside uh, of Massachusetts and Connecticut. But considering that they have been our first listeners on Viewpoint, and we have been there for 22 years, I feel that they deserve some serious uh, encouragement uh, concerning the ability to listen to this program. All right. That having been said, we go back. We go back to to Israel. Now here's what I want to share with you, and I found this to be absolutely fascinating. Just as they're talking about time to build the temple, and just as they're talking about the fear of the Palestinians and Hamas, a growing fear. About the building of a temple comes this information, this headline from Israel National News, Arut Sheva, Israel National News. Were Mashiach to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. Now the word Mashiach is the Hebrew form of Messiah. So I want to I want to share with you the contents of a distilled version of the contents of this article, because I think you are going to be greatly encouraged and perhaps just amazed. Here we go. We have been waiting for Messiah, an anointed Davidic king, for a very long time, says the article. The last time we had such a king was prior to the Babylonian exile about 2,600 years ago. The anointed kings we had in those days ruled only part of Israel. I want you to think about this; these words, ruled only part of Israel, because that will connect us with the final segment of the program here today about God's land grant. Okay? So all of these things connect. The dots will connect. The last time we had a Davidic king who ruled all Israel was in the time of Solomon and in the days of his father, King David, about 3,000 years ago. Now, that's a long time to wait for the Messiah. It would be easy to give up hope, says the article, but Jews have not given up hope for thousands of years, and now it seems, now it seems, that we're closer than ever before the fulfillment of our dreams. This is their viewpoint now, and viewpoint determines destiny. We have already passed our most hopeless and darkest moment. Now we can see the dawning of a messianic age beyond the horizon. Messiah has yet to appear, but the light of our national redemption already fills the skies. People question how that could even be possible now. Messiah could come very suddenly, even without miracles. The political deadlock in Israel and global fear and uncertainty are signs of swift changes sweeping through the atmosphere. The impossible is already happening. Did you hear that? The impossible is already happening. When this government falls, the current government, which could easily happen very soon, the political deadlock in Israel will only steepen. No one in power is really fit to rule anymore, and the people are tired of elections. Were Messiah to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. Wow. Well, why wasn't he overwhelmingly accepted when he showed up the first time? Oh, because he didn't fit what they expected. He was there all the time. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was there all the time. He even performed miracles, which they saw. And even there, the priests came against him because they said he threatened Their power, their perks, and their position would take away their position with Rome that they hated. Wow. So he was there, but now they say if Messiah would come today, he would be overwhelmingly accepted. Well, it depends on what they're looking for. It depends on what kind of a Messiah they're looking for. And so we go on to take a look at this letter. Israel's religious and political leaders could go to sleep one night, perhaps tonight, and receive unusual visions from God. If such a man exists, notice they say, if such a man exists, talking about the Messiah, and God chooses him as a worldly representative, God could easily notify them. Notice, they are not looking for a divine Messiah. They're looking again for a man they're looking for one like moses they're not looking for a divine messiah therefore when jesus showed up he didn't fit the bill because he he claimed to be god they forced it out of him at the high priest's home just before his crucifixion and they said, because because he said that, that he was worthy of death for blasphemy. So what in the world would cause them to recognize Messiah if he showed up now? We're going to talk about that when we get back. Stay tuned, friends. And then we talk about God's land grant. It all connects together. This is viewpoint
0: incredible but the same can be found right now go to saveus.org and click sell church we can revive first century christianity for the 21st century it's about people not programs it's about a body not a building that's saveus.org click sell church
1: how will the jewish people recognize a messiah When an article this very day came from Israel National News were Messiah to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. But how would they recognize him? You see, I wrote the book Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. You see, there's going to be an imposter. Jesus said, I came in my Father's name, and you rejected me. But there is one coming in his own name, and him you're going to receive. So when the Jewish people and their leaders say that we're ready to receive the Messiah, what they really mean is we're ready to receive someone that resembles what we want, not necessarily what God wants. And if it resembles, if he resembles what we want, then we will determine on our own motion that it must be what God wants. So the article says these religious political leaders could wake up the next morning and say that they know who is the Messiah. With no one else to lead Israel the people might be willing to give him a chance. Give him a chance? Really, is that how it's going to work? When Messiah really shows up, the people are just going to have to think about giving him a chance? Oh, I don't think so. It's going to be absolutely clear that he's the Messiah. But Jesus is not going to be given a chance. Because he already is declared unacceptable. Remember, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Because he didn't fit their preconceived bill. So with no one else to lead Israel right now, and the Jewish people are in a fit, nothing is working. They're elected leaders, now uh, Prime Minister Bennett. People are becoming very dissatisfied with him. Nobody seems to fit the bill. And it's becoming more and more disillusioning. So here's what the writer says about this. If enough people hope and pray for the Messiah, it could happen. He goes on to say, listen carefully, Benjamin Netanyahu led Israel for 15 years, longer than any other Israeli prime minister and longer than some of the kings of Israel's past. Netanyahu would like to continue to lead Israel, and he remains the most popular candidate for the job. But they tried to convict him of corruption. Netanyahu then has been contemplating retirement from political life. But the people urged him to stay and fight. And Netanyahu has listened to them. Now Netanyahu could be influenced another way, to fulfill his most important mission, handing over the keys to the Messiah. Darkness and silence fall upon Israel. The people sleep one last night of uncertainty. Our nation wakes up to a bold new reality. The messianic age is upon us! Exclamation point. So embrace it, hope and pray for it. Now it is destined to happen any day now. All of this from the Jerusalem, from the uh, Israeli National News, Arut Sheva today. Interesting, huh? Very interesting indeed. Now, That's the spirit. We've talked about that. We wrote about it in the book, King of the Mountain. How this expectation and anticipation was building. Then, in Antichrist, wrote about how that expectation will be distorted and perverted into receiving a counterfeit. Now, what is it that that counterfeit is going to do to convince the Jewish people, the leaders, that it must be the Messiah? Here's what I believe it will be. He will facilitate the rebuilding of the temple. That's their highest desire. That's their greatest hope. Now, in that context... We look at the prophetic situation with regard to the land of Israel, called Eretz Israel. In the book, small book, A Nation Born in a Day, Paul Toverty writes, how God's land grant to Abraham affects world affairs and the end times, and how you can partner with God in this coming event. He's talking about the land of Israel. Now, some people will say, well, God isn't interested in the land of Israel because actually he's only interested in the ultimate promised land, heaven. He's not interested in the land of Israel. Well, if that be true, then why did God give an eternal land grant or eternal leasehold to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why did he do that? because it was part of his great promise to a man by the name of Abraham who trusted him and, as a revelation of his trust, obeyed him. Abraham obeyed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Therefore, Abraham became known as the friend of God. Do you want to be called a friend of God? How would you do that? Well, like Abraham, you obey God. You do what he says. You don't question it. You don't looking for look for everybody else to try to validate what God says. You just agree with him and do what he says. Abraham obeyed God. And God imputed it to him or counted it to him for righteousness. So, the writer of this little book talks about God and real estate. In fact, did you know that God actually gave the meets and bounds, broadly speaking, to Abraham of the promised land? Did you know also that Israel has never really fully occupied that entire land grant, the closest Israel came to that was under King David. In Genesis chapter 15, God says to Abram To your descendants I give this land, from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites. Canaanites, Gergashites, and Jebusites, and I suspect in all of those that included the termites. (laughs) Now, it may seem strange, because these people groups don't exist as such anymore, but the land that they occupied does. So, what land is that? Well, it's all of present-day Israel, All of Lebanon, two-thirds of Syria, including its capital Damascus, a third of Iraq, west of the Euphrates River, all the way down to Ur of the Chaldees, from which Abraham came, a large portion of Jordan, including Amman, the northern tip of Saudi Arabia. So when we begin to look at all of this, we find that the boundaries of God's eternal leasehold or land grant to Abraham had never been fully realized. Only partially realized in the latter days of King David and during the reign of King Solomon. So, this is yet to happen. Is now the time? Well, it's going to happen. Whether you think it can happen or not isn't the point. We don't think a lot of things can happen that God said. We don't believe a lot of little details that God has said, or even big details. Because we say, well, that's not possible. People say, well, it's not possible to build a temple on the Temple Mount because it will start World War III. Well, maybe World War III has already started. Who knows? Who knows? But if God has spoken, it's going to happen. So that land grant to Abraham about 4,000 years ago is still on the books from God's viewpoint. God is not a man that he would lie, is he? So that was the promised land, or the land of promise, to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is fulfilling his promise. We know he was fulfilling his promise because on May Fourteenth, 1948, Israel became a nation again after all of those years of the diaspora dispersion god fulfilled his promise and he has been fulfilling his promise in bringing them back even in russia's attack on ukraine it is facilitating inspiring provoking jewish people in ukraine and yes even in russia more and more to return to israel that's how god works Now, you may not have thought that there was heavenly motivation in all of this, but there is. It's not that God is desiring or causing the destruction of Ukrainian people. He is allowing this to happen because he said, I'm going to send out hunters and fishers and do whatever is necessary to fulfill my end of the bargain, my covenant, with the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's doing it. So how is he going to fulfill the final aspect? Well, it's happening right now in just radical ways that we've talked about so many times. The Jewish people making Aliyah, going back, returning to Jerusalem and to uh, Israel. Now, here's a problem. Where are they going to put all these people? There are approximately 7 million Jews in Israel, a little over 7 million. That's only half of the number of Jews throughout the world. So where are they going to go? It's a tiny little land. God has made provision for that. He's already declared the meets and bounds of the entire promised land. How is that going to happen? I can't tell you exactly. Neither can you, and no pastor can tell you that. Because the Bible doesn't say. It just declares what the means and bounds are, and that God is bringing them back. And he is going to provide the means, the wherewithal, and the place for their habitation. Now, is that God's ultimate promise? No. Because God made two promises or covenants with Abraham. The first is the covenant running with the land. That's what we lawyers would call it. A covenant running with the land. The next covenant is the spiritual covenant. The in and through Abraham and his descendants would all the nations of the earth or families of the earth be blessed. How is that covenant going to happen? It's happening through Yeshua. The only obedient, truly, fully obedient Israelite that ever lived. It is happening. Now you've heard the rest of the story. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. Get a copy of the book, A Nation Born Today. $5 will put it in your hands. Uh, call us 1 800 SAVE USA, Antichrist. King of the Mountain, all of those we talked about here today. Go to the website, saveus.org, and tell others about the program, friends. This is the moment in time. Are we going to get serious yet about the coming of the Lord? I wonder.